The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. All right, I'm racing's regular guy in a not-so-regular racing world. John Engelhardt here, folks. I'm glad you chose us as an outlet to kill some of the time you probably have on your hands these days or uh, came up with an excuse to tell the family that you had to do some research uh, out in the other room, your office, the basement, wherever, uh, you know, the walls are closing in on a lot of people. I am blessed though, because I've got a one man studio here and, uh, my friend Josh helps me from, uh, a, a distance away, a very safe distance away. So we're in very good, uh, shape as far as the, the show going on. And uh, I hope that everybody's, uh, doing well. It looks like maybe we've, uh, peaked out, uh, with, with the COVID uh, curse and uh, slowly but surely we'll move our lives on and helping us to uh, uh, you know see what's going on in the world of racing through their eyes uh, two very professional individuals uh, Tom Law and Brian Zipsy are going to be with us of course Tom he every time I introduce him his bio just keeps getting longer and longer uh, as you know he's the managing editor of ST Publishing uh, the award-winning published company that uh, produces the Saratoga Special, and I can't wait till they start coming out sooner or later. This will be their 20th year. I believe this will be Tom's eight there. Uh, he also does some editorial content for the Mid-Atlantic Thoroughbred, which I can tribute to. And, of course, with his buddies uh, Joe and Sean Clancy, Tom operates the popular racing website, This Is Horse Racing. But then you scroll down a little bit, and, you, you know, this guy, what, what he's done is unbelievable. He's currently the president of the National Turf Riders and Broadcastings, uh, which uh, he was the president before from for six years, from 2006 to 2012. He, When I first met him, he was the uh, managing editor of the Thoroughbred Times, and uh, he is an Eclipse Award winner. 2011 he got that and two-time winner of the joe hirsch memorial award for coverage of the belmont stakes and the bill leggett breeders cup writing award a winner of the red smith kentucky derby writing award and i believe that the only two guys in the the, the, the history have uh, had a personal triple crown award-winning stories and it was uh, tom law and uh, Jay Privman, who was on with us just last week. Hey, do we get the cream of the crop or what? And we'll go into some of his uh, personal bio when we bring Tom onto the show. He, he's lived a very full life. And, of course, uh, Brian Zipsy's with us. Uh, he's just so passionate as far as horse racing is concerned. Always has a good spin on the sport. Uh, took to the races at a young age. He goes all the way back to the days of Secretariat. And then, of course, uh, hopefully every morning I get up and I read my Horse Racing Nation. And he started out, uh, was the managing editor of Horse Racing Nation. I know he still is a frequent contributor. and uh, But I think he backed off to get into uh, some partnerships that he was looking at. So that's what we'll do. Well, every Thursday, that's right, that's when the news starts breaking. And well, Although we've had plenty of news this week. Uh, but... Uh, Naira, as not best kept 
not kept secret. <laughs> they're delaying the opening of Belmont Park. And uh, it looks like they're expecting a new Belmont Stakes date. But as you know, uh, the deck is being reshuffled as uh, we speak right now. So uh, we're going to find out. But uh, they definitely uh, push back uh, racing uh, at Belmont Park. And, uh, you know, again, you know, David O'Rourke, uh, CEO and president of Naira, said, uh, you know, the health and safety of our racing community is paramount. And any decisions or adjustments to the racing schedule and operations must reflect this priority. So it was scheduled <coughs> for April 24th. And they're going to they're look at that. And then, of course, the Belmont Stakes uh, scheduled for June 6th, which, as you know, the Derby has been moved to the first weekend of September. Uh, so will the Belmont be before it or after it? Should be interesting. But again, it's scheduled for June 6th. Let's not expect that to happen. Um, Charles Hayward. He's been executive uh, uh, on the New York scene, and uh, now I read him all the time in uh, his thoroughbred racing commentaries. And he did a great breakdown of what's going on with the, the pandemic and the racing uh, internationally. Uh Let's take a quick look at that. It was pretty interesting. Uh, Japan, with its population of 126.5 million, uh, has a strong thoroughbred program. And uh, it looks like uh, the, the uh, Japanese Racing Association has continued to run its major graded stakes races. And while all races through the country are run, like all of them in the U.S., without spectators. Now, Australia, they continue to run a robust schedule in all eight clubs, as they call them, but no spectators in the stands. And uh, so it looks like uh, they join uh, the world. I don't think there's anybody in the world that has uh, fans in the stands. And that, let's see, Hong Kong, known for the largest paramutual pools in the world, uh, it continues to run its two race days a week with no spectators. But, boy, they're still having an unbelievable handle. And then uh, down in New, New Zealand, uh, the restrictions have been placed on thoroughbred racing. The government halted all racing activity, including training. Now, they say that this is the only jurisdiction in the world where that they've actually eliminated the training as part of its COVID-19 strategy. Um, in, in Europe, the British Horse Racing Authority has been working on a plan that would bring horse racing back with a goal to race a limited number of race courses under strict quarantine conditions once they feel that it is safe and that will be deemed by the government. And uh, that, of course, includes Ireland. Now, here in, in the U.S., uh, we've got, uh, you know, Santa Anita was turned down for racetracks. <clears throat> and it really just it goes from state to state as far as the uh, regulatory uh, restrictions on what's going on. So the tracks that are running in April are Will Rogers Downs, Founder Park, Oak Lawn Park, Gulfstream Park, and Tampa Bay Downs. Of course, uh, Tampa and Oak Lawn plan to end their season on what would be Derby weekend, the weekend of May 2nd. And uh, sad to say, the three major tracks that are the annual backbone of April racing, Aqueduct, Keeneland, and Santa Anita, not racing 
for various reasons uh, connected to the coronavirus. So uh, that's kind of a look from Charles Hayward. Now, uh, he points out that Naira will certainly have to move the Traverse Stakes. That's scheduled for August 29th because right now that would be one week before the scheduled Kentucky Derby. And without a doubt, that would be the key Derby prep should they back it up till, well, let's say three weeks at least uh, before the Derby. And they could do that uh, as they write their own rules in New York. Now, other important scheduling issues that Monmouth has moved its opening day from Saturday, May 2nd to Saturday, July 4th. That's a big move. Now, Saratoga is scheduled to open on Thursday, July 16th and run through Labor Day. Don't see that happening. Uh, Del Mar is currently scheduled to open on July 18th and close on Labor Day. And, uh, of course, uh, the two important events at Keeneland are their fall meet, uh, which has the main uh, Kentucky-based Breeders' Cup preps on, I believe it's October 3rd, and then the Breeders' Cup is scheduled to be run there on November 6th and 7th. So uh, those are the biggies. But, you know, as uh, Charles points out, that uh, racing is not baseball, and uh, we can maintain social distancing uh, through our sport. And uh, now Major League Baseball says they can survive a season without baseball. You just come back next year, and uh, so oh, that's not the case with racing. It might work for that sport, but it's not going to work for thoroughbred racing. We've got to keep this alive. Well, we, told, we took a little peek in this last week that the Jockey Club of Saudi Arabia is putting holds on the Saudi Cup payments uh, because of uh, what is going on with uh, uh Jason Service and the horse Maximum Security, uh, first place winner of the Saudi Cup. Uh, so they're going to wait and see that. I'm not sure that still a test has been developed to figure out what it was those guys were using. So they're putting in their own investigation, but that doesn't mean they're going to uh, find it. But they're definitely with the discovery of what had happened through these uh, pending investigations. Um, they're going to sit on their money. You know, you just don't hand out, uh, you know, that kind of change. Uh, so who knows? It could go to Midnight Bizu, uh, you know, to make as much as $10 million. And uh, so we will find out. And so then they had... Uh, the appeals with Jackie Irad Ortiz and Mike Smith, they don't mess around right there. I mean, they really uh, give them some serious ones. And uh, for the most part, these were guys that were doing what they've been doing their entire life since they were teenagers. And that's urging horses on through the stretch with their whip. And they just don't have a counter in their head that says, whoops, you already Went to number 12. You can't go to 13 or 14. And because uh, Smith, uh, he, he got uh, penalized for his ride on Midnight Bizu. Um, and it looks like they're going to retain 60% of his prize money. And uh, so uh, they do not mess around over there. Now, uh, we are going to have some absolute great races uh, to, to look at with Brian Zipsy. The Apple Blossom, I mean, this could be like uh, the U.S.'s early Breeders' Cup uh, filly and mare. Uh, what uh, 
a field that they have put together and uh, horses that are very familiar with each other and have taken turns beating each other are uh, Lady Apple, Street Band, and Serengeti Empress. Now, Serengeti Empress was very impressive in her second start back this season. I think she needed the first, the Houston Ladies Classic, um, but then came back in the Azari, switched to Joe Talamo in the saddle for the first time, and he absolutely went to the lead and said, see ya, pulled away by six and a quarter lengths. So, uh, that is going to be just a sensational race. Of course, uh, see that uh, uh, Street Band is uh, uh, just put in a really nice uh, bullet work over the Oak Lawn Park strip uh, for trainer Larry Jones. Uh, so we'll get Brian's read on that, but it is going to be one heck of a race. Well, uh, let's go back and look at some of the races we handicapped on Winning Ponies last week. And... Uh, before I do even get to that, just want to remind you with all these varied tracks uh, like Foner and Will Rogers <laughs> that, that are now being highlighted, uh, you, you do want to come over and pull down our easy win forms on the website. Uh, just yesterday, or no, today rather, a uh, big score, uh, the uh, winning today at Oak Lawn Park uh, ran was in the eighth race, we had a $1 super key that paid 1893 All right, a quick sneak peek at last week's races. Uh, really good race, the Oak Lawn Park Mile. Tom's Day Tot did not disappoint, rated very well by Joel Rosario, and ran down Improbable, who uh, had to break from that far outside post and just couldn't overcome it. So Tom's Day Tot, I think they're pointing them to some racing at Churchill and then the Oak Lawn, another big race that was wide, wide open. Upset time. It was Mr. Big News, a triple crown nominee trained by Brett Calhoun, paid 95.60 to win. Game effort off the pace, got up by a half length over Farmington Road. Switch to blinkers, improve that horse's performance. All right, that's a look at what's coming up tonight, what happened last week, and a peek at national racing. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk to the man that lays down the law, Tom Law from Saratoga Springs. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. 
Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free. 1-866-472-5788 or send us an email at show at winningponies.com John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right, and with me right now, as I told you, the top of the show, Tom Law is going to be with us. And I read off just a, the top part of his bio there, uh, you know, lauding the awards that he's had and the different positions that he holds. But, you know, and now for the rest of the story. Well, what you also need to know in his bio is that Tom is an avid runner. He recently set the course record of the 13-1K in the Midwinter Marathon around the Oklahoma training track, besting Andy. Andy Byers' time by 10 full seconds, the fastest buyer speed figure by a runner all season long. And uh, when Tom's not volunteering endless hours at the Saratoga Ancient Elm Shelter for Homeless Women, he finds time to teach elementary school children the lost art of learning how to tell time on analog clocks by explaining to them how to identify the post times of every important race each Saturday around the world and that they may be required to eventually post this information on this is horse racing. Of course, we all know he was voted upstate New York Sexist Man of the Year in 2017, Grand Marshal of the St. Patrick's Day Parade at Glens Falls in 2018. Uh, he, he volunteers giving Bob studying lessons in Lake Placid to patients from the High Anxiety Unit from the Lake George Hospital. Uh, three times winner of the Stewart's Ice Cream Competitive Eating Competition Brain Freeze concert, uh, uh, Contest. That's in Saratoga. And uh, this is one of my favorite things is that he's, I don't know, we'll have to ask him if he's ever went through, but at the time he was petitioning the courthouse in Saratoga to have his last name changed from law to make him so he could braid out his extensive collection of knit sweaters from Ireland and publish the Saratoga special under the nom de course of Tommy Makem and the Clancy Brothers. Oh, I love their old records. And then they would go and perform Irish drinking ballads like Another Jug for Shug, Jockey Full of Bourbon, and Tullamore Dew on the turf course on the dark days at Ciro. So I told you that this will mark the 20th season of the Saratoga special, even though Tom was too young to start back then. He spent eight years there. Tom Law, whew, give me a break. What what a, what a life you lead. It's unbelievable. I can't wait till the book comes out. My favorite introduction uh, that I've ever received, uh, and I've, I love to hear it. <laughs> it's so creative. And uh, give you an update on the, the Tommy Makeham uh thing I, I was denied in my petition but i do have it out for appeal uh and of course the coronavirus has has uh stymied all 
court activity here in upstate New York, so I'm going to have to wait maybe until it, it, it goes a little longer, but uh, I'm, uh, I'm still hopeful. Well, obviously, any interview uh, that I go into today has something to do with the coronavirus, so I'm not going to go there right away, Tom. We need to go back. Because Fine. I, Fine with I, me, I'm, yeah. <laughs> well, no, I, I'll, I'll tell you what. There's three people that are very happy that the coronavirus news came out, and that's because it buried their story. Uh, all right, yeah. here, are the three, here are the three people. Yeah. The, the Zayat family of American Pharaoh fame, <laughs> Jason Service, and Jorge Navarro. I mean, did, yeah. they, did they ever have their scandals break at a better time? I mean, you Man. haven't heard a word about yeah. any of them in three weeks. You're not kidding. I mean, I, I guess the only news that came out of that was uh, maybe a, an arraignment done via Zoom or Skype or one of these other uh, – you know, online meeting sharing platforms. I'm not even sure what they're actually called. I've used them uh, the last few weeks, but I don't even know what they're really called. But uh, yeah, those guys. Uh, I don't. I, I don't know what they're doing these days, but uh, <laughs> they certainly lucked out. And and if anybody can luck out in the coronavirus, it's it's these guys. Well, I, I'll tell you what, they're staying as socially distanced from people as they can before they were even yeah. asked to. <laughs> yeah. hoping, hoping the yeah. next knock on their door wasn't a cop. <laughs> yeah, but, exactly. Uh, exactly. Let's go, wow. let's, I, 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 I don't want to stay on the topics too much, but just a, a quick read. No. Uh, on on the Zayat thing, these people created kind of a a feel good sensation around American Pharaoh with the access they gave to everybody. The horse himself carried America on his back, and it was such a feel good story. And, th- and then we find out that it appears they haven't been found guilty yet. That that, that there was corruption right. going on, you know, towards the end of his career and throughout his stud career. Yeah, this is very unfortunate situation uh, without a doubt i mean casting kind of a little bit of a shadow over a you know an absolutely brilliant horse and, and like you said it was a a great feel-good story and kind of a popular story and uh you know it's you know corruption is i guess you know everywhere in our world today uh you know in all kinds of business and all kinds of ways of life and obviously permeates i guess on occasion into the the thoroughbred racing world and and that's what we're dealing with here but uh you know hopefully it'll all get adjudicated correctly and resolved and maybe we can move forward it certainly hasn't uh, tarnished uh, anything that american pharaoh did on the racetrack and everything that he's done so far in the breeding shed he's obviously off to a great start at stud that in itself is a sensational story he doesn't know who his owners are and uh you know i i love to see such a sensational horse like American Pharaoh and what he did in bringing attention back to our sport to continue it on. I mean, now let's face it. He had some pretty damn good bridesmaids there this first season. You okay, Tom? It sounds like you fell down the steps yeah. or something. All right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, um, no, sorry, sorry. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's great to see him replicate himself through his sons and daughters. Oh, he's just gone on to amazing uh, amazing things without a doubt. And I think a lot of people expected it. I mean, he was, uh, you know, his, his running style, he was very brilliant. He was very precocious. 
as a two-year-old, and you know, it's it's not completely surprising. I mean, he, he was by a by a horse that was a, a real solid racehorse himself, and uh, yeah, it's uh, he, he does well turf, dirt. You know, I, I, John, I know you handicap. I know you you probably handicap that into your into your into your races all the time. Dirt, turf, long, short. I mean, all kinds. You know, and he gets all kinds of all kinds of physical type horses too. You know, big, small fast they can go long it's uh it's amazing he's he's doing great you know i haven't talked to too many trainers that actually have one but i would have to think that also if he passed along his demeanor tom which i know you were around yeah. him during the, the the triple crown i mean he was such a cool character you could blow a firecracker oh, yeah. off under that horse and he wouldn't turn a hair and and a lot of people say horses that pass that demeanor along to their foals are successful because the foals are so smart and easy to break and follow instruction yeah absolutely i mean it, yeah his demeanor was everything i mean he was he was obviously talented and we see a lot of talented racehorses all the time but uh you know sometimes they they come undone with various things that may happen to them he he obviously was not affected by like you said firecrackers going off giant crowds and you know handled all the all the trials and tribulations of the kentucky derby preakness belmont you know of course belmont was uh just an unbelievable uh atmosphere and i'll never forget sort of after the race and walking back with him and uh, you know, certainly memories to last a lifetime. And he was the cool horse, horse of a lifetime, really, as he's been described. Right, right. And, you know, I, I, I guess another person that's, I believe, will fall victim to this is Justin Zayat, who is trying to branch out on his own as a, uh, you know, a racing manager. And uh, this has really got to put a hitch into his future plans. But, uh, but let's move along because we could talk about this for a whole segment. But the impact of the doping scandal, obviously, because yep. so many other topics have come up. Uh, Tom Log, you know, give me your read. I know it's not over for a long time, but just the fact that a horse that could win the richest race in the world was a part of this thing just floors me. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was very shocking. I mean, uh, just to kind of take everybody back to the uh, uh, the day that it happened and ev- everything kind of came out. I remember uh, sitting in my office that day, and it was the day that the tickets actually went on sale for the Breeders' Cup at Keeneland, you know, and, and that was kind of, I was just thinking, oh, well, this is going to be kind of the news story of the day, <laughs> you know, like, uh, the Breeders' Cup tickets sell out in, you know, 16 hours or whatever it was going to be. And all of a sudden, you know, wham, the, uh, the, <laughs> the Southern District of New York, uh, the district court comes out with these, with these indictments of all these, of all these horsemen. And, and, and yeah, like you said, putting maximum security kind of front and center in it, uh, added a, a lot of teeth to the news and, just, just a, a very, uh, you know, it's almost surreal that that he had just won the the race in Saudi Arabia just not not long before. It feels like, you know, months of years ago that he did that. Um, now, but uh, amazing, you know. And and I'd like to see everything that comes out of it, you know, before I really sort of cast any uh, wide you know, blame or anything on anybody. Obviously people are, are due their day in court 
Um, but these are guys that have been uh, around racing for a while and certainly a lot of rumors and, uh, you know, allegations in the racetrack about them and, and what they're doing and whether or not it's on the up and up. Uh, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of these things over the years and you hear a lot of this stuff, just whether you're in the grandstand clubhouse, just as a fan betting and you hear other, other patrons sort of talking about it, or you hear other horsemen talking about it. And I think now you, you see a lot of other horsemen sort of talking about it publicly and, uh, you know, that a lot of guys weren't real happy that they were, they weren't, necessarily on the up and up according to you know allegedly so uh but with with a horse like maximum security you know it kind of very like you said very strange and surreal situation i voted for him for horse of the year last year (laughs) you know uh only because i i felt like he was i felt like he was the best horse and um (laughs) you know we we sort of we have to go by the rules that that are out there and the rules that were in place. He wasn't showing up on any positive drug tests or anything in, along those lines. So I, I felt like I, he deserved my vote, uh, you know, and we'll, we'll see what happens going forward. But uh, obviously my opinion will obviously change going forward when I, when I hear about what's going to happen. You know, it, it's so easy to look in the rear view mirror. It's very clear, especially when you look at these guys and their record like three years ago and how all of a sudden, these horses yeah. they had or these horses that came to their stable could move up a notch in class or a notch or three and, and start winning races. And all of a sudden it's like, man, how come we – nobody saw – we? and again, you talk about the backstretch guys. Maybe they did yeah. see it. Um, but all of a sudden if you go back and look at their record and then all of a sudden they both made this meteoric rise. I'm also including Jorge Navarro in this conversation along with Jason Service. Yeah. All of a sudden of it's like, you know, it looks like some pieces of the puzzle are coming together. Um, yeah. That, that's well, the strange I mean, thing. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you'd see, you'd see horses that these guys had that they claimed for, you know, 16,000, 20,000, 25,000 that are going on. And, and, and a lot of horsemen, I, I think I read it somewhere. Uh, one of the horsemen, one of their other trainers was, was quoted as saying something along the lines of, you know, like when you see $16,000 claimers that are getting beat in regular races, like they are what they are. Like those horses are. And then all of a sudden you would see these dramatic improvements. Um, and, and a lot of guys would, would question that, you know, and I think a lot of guys had some genuine concerns about it. And I, I've talked to some horsemen and they'd be like, I had owners that when the overnight came out, the owners would be like, Oh, we're in, we're in the same race as one of these guys. We should just scratch, you know? So, <laughs> And that's bad. You know, that's not good for racing either. No, um, no. So, you know, in the end, it's, it's a good thing. Like, I, everybody, everybody wanted to talk about whether this is a good thing for racing or a bad thing for racing. And, yeah, it was a bad black eye at the time. Uh, but at the same time, like, if you can get rid of the bad guys, the bad apples, let's, let's do it. Um, I, di- I didn't think twice about that. I thought it was probably a good thing. If, if these guys are in fact, guilty of the things that they're being charged with, by all means, get rid of them and let's get rid of more if there are more guys like this. You're right. If anything, it's led to that. It's like, 
Okay, folks, we, we had enough of this. Let's get guys like this out. And let's show anybody else that's thinking about doing something like this that it's a death sentence. You will not operate yeah, oh, the sport of racing. Be- it, right. Because yeah, it's because, very you know, and, yeah. yeah. Go on. In a lot in a lot of ways, you know, I mean, the, 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 you know, and you hear about this in all sports. You hear about it in track and field, and, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a fan of track and field, and I follow it a little bit, and other competitive sports where you're talking about people that are using illegal drugs and they're cheating, and they get to win these races, whether it be the Olympics or World Championships and things like that, uh, swimming, you know, for example, cycling, obviously, they get to they get to experience that joy of winning, and the people that were second, who were maybe doing it on the up and up, they never get to experience that. And I, I've read interviews with other with big time athletes that are like, you know, like they, yeah, I got the gold medal after the person was disqualified, but they took away my joy. You know, they sort of took away my moment. And sometimes right. it, it means more to a lot of people. The moment itself and the gratification of that moment means more than their name in the record books or, you know, re- receiving the piece of metal around their neck. I mean, that's, in, it's symbolic, but it's, it's that moment that has been stolen. And I think, you know, how many people in horse racing have been affected by guys that are not on the up and up. I mean, trainers are losing clients because their win percentages are not to a certain level. And I, you know, that's a whole nother issue. I think, it's completely ridiculous for owners to use a, a, a trainer's winning percentage as a basis for whether they should hire them or not. But, you know, there are guys that have, have been, their livelihoods have been affected by guys that are cheating. So get rid of them now. Like, get rid of them yesterday. Right. Now, I want that message to go out loud and clear because it's real hard to yeah. train a horse from a jail cell. Exactly. Yeah. Good thing. Yeah. I'm glad. Right. <laughs> well, Tom, uh, I wanted to cover these subjects with you, but I do want to get your read on uh, racing's reaction to the pandemic. And you don't have a crystal sure. ball, but what Tom Law might yeah. think is going to shake out of this. Yeah. So uh, in addition to all the kind of work I do with the Saratoga special and this is horse racing dot com, uh, the Clancy brothers and I also do um, a lot of the editorial for Mid Atlantic Thoroughbred Magazine. So, I've I've gotten a good sense from talking to some uh, folks with the in the racing industry, both from the racetrack end and also people in the breeding industry, uh, in the, a lot of the farms in the in the region in the Mid Atlantic region, uh, which is a little bit outside of New York, but pretty close. Um, you know, the breeding industry kind of rolls on. Uh, you know, mares are, are given birth and stallions are, are still breeding mares. I think some of the farms have seen a little bit of a drop-off, but not much, uh, which is a positive sign that um, horses are being bred. And we're going to have uh, sort of a sustainable full crop. You know, obviously the racetracks are all making adjustments, uh, rightfully so. Uh, New York, which is, for me, close to home, and everybody's concerned about what the heck's going to happen in New York and particularly with Saratoga, maybe with the, the Belmont meet. The news came out today um, about Belmont pushing back yeah. the start of the, the, the Belmont spring-summer meet, which was a natural because of everything that's going on in New York. Kind of hard to justify having a, a thoroughbred race meet so close to everything that's going on. And, you know, their horse population is, is probably down a little bit in New York, just with a lot of guys still stuck in Florida. But, you know, all eyes are on Saratoga, I think, now. I feel like Saratoga's the next the next 
I hate to, I hate to use this phrase, but sort of the next chip to fall. Um, you know, you're seeing a lot of a lot of things in in the Saratoga, upstate New York, and and downstate, all over New York State. Things that are going on in July that are sort of being canceled and or postponed. Um, you know, which leads me to believe that you know Saratoga. They're obviously thinking about stuff going on in Saratoga. Uh, spoke with somebody. A little bit of news nugget today. I spoke with someone today. Um, that that would be definitely in the know, and they talked about the. I think the Naira board is, is due to meet uh, tomorrow to talk about Belmont and maybe when they might open up. And then I think they're gonna they're gonna get into Saratoga. I think everybody's playing kind of a wait and see attitude. I think there's been a lot of speculation and a lot of reporting about Saratoga, uh, but I think a lot of it's premature, at least from the conversations that I've had. I've, I haven't done any real reporting on it. Um, so, you know, I don't mean to demean the, the work that some people are doing, but I think it's all kind of premature. And, and as you know, John, I mean, everybody's dealing with this nationwide, uh, worldwide. We're all kind of like, you know, holding our breath or, or kind of like trying to figure out what's next. You know, like I think we all have uh, conversations. <laughs> you know, half of my day is conversations about like what if, you know, like, well, what about this? Well, what about that? You know, and then nobody really kind of knows. Um, I know. Yeah. You know, and yeah. And New York is such a, such a hotbed of activity. Um, you know, obviously it's, it's, there's hundreds of people dying every day still in New York. And, and that's very different than a lot of states. Um, you know, not so much upstate, but, uh, I will say that I've, I've seen the numbers out of Saratoga County and they're going up a little bit, um, every day. But, you know, nowhere near the levels. I think it's around 245 positive cases today, which is which is nowhere near the amount that we're seeing in downstate yeah. or in uh, in some of the urban areas throughout the country. But Well, um, you got to remember that a positive you know, test isn't a death sentence. So, you exactly. Know, no, not at all. Not at all. No. Oh, oh, only a small percent of those actually pass away. Well, Tom, I could talk about this. I could talk about anything with you for an entire hour, but uh, I've got Brian Zipsy coming up on the other side of this break. And I just want to oh, thank good. you. Stay in touch with me. I, I sent you your full bio. Feel free to spread that amongst your friends. And uh, good luck with I getting your last bio. name changed to, to uh, Tommy Makem. Uh, very well until uh tell brian i said hello i'll I'll miss seeing him at the derby in may and i hope to see him in september and uh i hope he can keep uh keep his his train rolling with uh his his gig and uh the same to you i wish you all the best and it's always been great to to be on and appreciate the friendship and the time you're a good man tom law all right we've uh had a great conversation with Tom Law, and I'm looking forward to having a great conversation with Brian Zipsy. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. 
pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right, and with me now, uh, no stranger to the show. I've been trying to get him on, but he has such a busy personal schedule, he's hard to get. And that's none other than Brian Zipsy. I introduced him at the top of the show. Uh, I, I know that uh, he's uh, moved into some new ventures, but I, I believe, uh, Brian, you still stay connected and do some work with the uh, uh, Horse Racing Nation that you were the managing editor of. Oh, absolutely, John. Horse Racing Nation still my uh, number one gig, if you will. I do Horse Center every week, and I have a, a column there on Monday. I'm uh, very much uh, still involved with Horse Racing Nation, which uh, I've been there for just about 10 years now. Wow. Wow. Well, I, I'm on their list. I pretty much, uh, I might sometimes get two emails from, or messages or newsletters uh, from the organization uh, a day uh, where they'll update a story or something new is breaking. And what's great is when you go there, it's not like one story. It's like, oh, I can read about what's happening with Baffert. And, oh, I can read about a new shutdown or, or no, I can, I can read about a, a new up and coming star. Um it's really, I mean, once you go on there, you can easily spend 45 minutes and not even know it. All of a sudden, you look up the clock and go, hell, I'm not even through all the stories yet. I mean, you've done a good job at at formatting the whole site. And I've told our, our listeners that uh, it, it's free. You don't have to pay for the newsletter. It drops right in your mailbox every day. Uh, that it's really, it's a good one to have on your list. Yeah, honestly, John, uh, I uh, I go to Horse Racing Nation first for my for my racing news. If I if I haven't been uh, in tune with the racing news for for twelve hours or even a day, I'll go to Horse Racing Nation and, and just get caught up. Uh, Jonathan Lintner replaced me as the editor there, uh, going on about two and a half years, and he's just done a wonderful job. It's better than ever, and uh, really thankful that I'm uh, I've been a part of Horse Racing Nation pretty much from the beginning. 
Uh, yeah, and Jonathan, I got to meet him several years ago uh, through uh, through Jenny Reese, and uh, they were staying in the same hotel, and I didn't have a place to stay. And Jonathan said, "Well, come on." He says, "I got an extra, you know, pull out bed in, in my place. We could stay there." And of course, um, we uh, stayed up with uh, Jenny and another friend and tipped a few. The races were over, so it was our day off now but uh, th- that's how i had met him and then all of a sudden when i saw his byline it's like damn i know i know this guy but where do i know him from and it's like oh i slept with him well not with him he, but, you know in the same room sure yeah let's not uh <laughs> let's not start new rumors here yeah he's 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 a much younger man than i am john as you know so he's got uh, all the energy in the world and, and i really love what he's done since i've been uh, uh since i stepped down as the editor uh, a while ago i'm I, you know I'm, I'm like i said i'm very involved and i love doing uh the weekly youtube show horse center but uh yeah uh, horse racing nation is amazing in that it just every year uh over the last seven eight years now it just keeps getting better and better and it's it's the place to go for the, the the latest racing news. It really is. Well, and this is not. I, I don't get any kickback from Horse Racing Nation. I want everybody to know it's just a <laughs> it's it, it's a it's a real uh, it's a it's a pleasurable website. And uh, like I said, there's something for every everybody on there. Well, uh, Brian, uh, obviously you're surviving. You're at home. You got an 11 year old daughter, so it's not like you got a five-year-old running around the house and you got to constantly track their, their, their whereabouts. But, uh, how, how are you weathering the pandemic? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's strange territory for everyone. We're, uh, we're, we're doing what we can. We're, uh, adhering as best we can to, uh, uh all of the, all the great medical advice and, uh, everything to, uh, you know, adhere to social distancing. Uh, we, we are in an area where luckily there are a lot of, great parks and places that we can go and we can uh, uh, take the dog, for instance, and, and, and get outside a little bit. But uh, I do miss uh, more human contact, but um, everybody uh, everybody that's close to me is healthy, uh, knock on wood. Uh, uh, and uh, so far, so good. Uh, hopefully, you know, we can we can get through this as a nation and and and, and globally uh, sooner than later and move on from this. But uh you know, it's uh, we we weren't around in 1918, so this is is new to everyone, and uh, just doing the best we can. Well, selfishly, it's it's been kind of good for me because I can call a guy like you or Tom Law up, and it's like, yeah, I'll go on the show. But I got nothing else to do. <laughs> it's great yeah, for guests. <laughs> I I I wasn't around. I, I think I think this is the first time you ever asked me a few times, and 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 I apologize. I wasn't always there for you recently, but but you're right. There's there's just more home time than ever now. So uh, if you called me next week, not that you would, but if you called me next week, I'd probably say yes again. But hey, you know what? I I, I think I I don't want to take over your job, but I think this show's almost over, and we haven't even talked about some really big races this week. Are we going to talk about Oakland Park tonight? Absolutely, but I still wanted to get your, your your personal feel on what's going on in the world. But I'll tell you what, uh, if if they moved the Breeders' Cup to Oaklawn Park in April, it it would be this card at least for the the two races we're going to look at because it's not like I could say, oh boy, here's the horse to beat in here. 
wow, they've assembled marvelous fields. Let's go to the headliner first. I mean, the apple blossom has served as such an important race over the years, and it certainly doesn't disappoint here. Uh, grade one, $600,000. But, you know, w- w- the field that's drawn together, first of all, a lot of familiar high end. I was going to count the number of millionaires in here, but it's probably about four or five easily, uh, you know, millionaire filly and mares that, that are in here. Um, but what, what I love is that we've got we, we, we got the uh, roundup, the usual suspects, which would be Street Band, Saragenti Empress and Lady Apple. But we got some couple new shooters in here. Uh, I can't call Come Dancing a new shooter, but I can tell you this. This D. Wayne Lucas trainee loves going to the races after a layoff. And everything I have in my past performances says, in the last four times she came back from vacation, she won at first asking, sometimes in a grade one race. The other, I don't know if you call her a mystery filly, uh, something, uh, maybe she was having a growth spurt. She, she didn't race early on. She's only had five lifetime starts, but from the Mike McCarthy barn, this CC who comes out of an optional claimer and wins the grade one beholder at Santa Anita, Victor Espinosa is scheduled to come in and ride. So you've, you've got the established, you know, uh, solid, you know, female competitors. And then you, you, you got a couple the, you know, new kids on the block. So nothing in here is a given, Brian. I want to get your read on this race. Yeah, it's, it's an absolutely fantastic addition of the Apple Blossom. The Apple Blossom is an underrated, underrated race anyway. You know, you, you have horses like Senyata and, and last year, Midnight Pursuit uh, went down there, Hover to Grace and Blind Luck. It's just, been an excellent race for years now and this grade one race because of what's going on in the world we we have horses coming from california like cc and from new york like come dancing so it it just attracted a breeder's cup type of field by the way i'm going to say this john it's just a rumor i've heard some rumblings nothing official but I believe Oakland Park wants to get a Breeders' Cup down the road, and, and, and I think that they're talking about putting in a turf course there. Again, just, just rumors. So maybe we'll be talking about Oakland Park as a Breeders' Cup site down the road. But getting wow. back to the app, yeah, yeah I, I, it's a great. I don't know if you've been there. Or you probably Yes, I have, have, and I tell everybody it's a bucket list thing to do. Hot, hot Springs is is the closest thing to Saratoga Springs as far as just everyone getting into the into the racing that's going on at Oakland Park. So a wonderful place. But this Apple Blossom, yeah, it couldn't be much better. 14 horses. I think there are 10 graded stakes winners out of the 14 uh, to go along with what you were saying. Serengeti Empress, I really do feel like she's the best horse in the race, John. She's the favorite, and she is speed ball. But I think she just ran into a lot of races last year that were just too fast and not what she really wants to do. And I think this year she's going to get more of what she wants to do. And that's run two turns when she's on the lead and doesn't have to do 43 and change or 44 to do it. So I think Serengeti Empress is set up for a huge year. Having said that, she's found a tough race in here because there's other speed and there's so many good horses. Cece, I think, is an up-and-coming star. You know, she looked like a up-and-comer last year, but she only had three races as a three-year-old. But 
Oh, boy, did she look good and went in the beholder mile last time. She got the 14 hole in there. And, and for a stalker with speed just in front of her, I think that's going to make it tough. She's either going to fall farther back than she wants to, or she's going to have to be hung out on the first turn, or she's going to have to go too fast. So I think it's a tough spot for CeCe. And come dancing, I, I, I'm i going to poke some holes in there. She's six now. She doesn't really win away from New York. Last time she left New York, was the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Sprint, and she didn't run a race. I think she's a little better when it's shorter. So I'm not really on CC and come dancing, the likely second and third choices. With the speed, I think Serengeti Empress either is going to get out there and no one can no one can bring her back and she wins, or somebody's going to come from pretty far back. And I think he got a number of good candidates in street band, Point of Honor, who was the Black Eyed Susan winner last year, has only had one race back, and that was just a yeah. sprint prep. And even Ollie's Candy, uh, Joel Rosario on the rail. Uh, CC beat her easy last time, but that was a mile with uh, a, a short field, and that was Ollie's Candy's first race back. So any one of those three, if, if the pace is hot on Serengeti Empress, uh, Street Band, Point of Honor, and, and Ollie's Candy, I think all could be beneficiaries and all should be either close or into double digits. Well, r- real quick, I'm a, I'm a Sarah Empress fan, just to let you know. So, And I think she fits here. She's the only horse in a race coming off a 100-plus buyer. Brian Zipsy, quick with us. The Count Fleet Sprint Handicap, just as tough as the Apple Blossom. This is without a doubt. If there was only one Breeders' Cup Sprint this year, you'd have to put it on this race. Yeah, I mean... With horses like Bobby's Wicked One, Hidden Scroll, Mr. Jägermeister, share the upside, John. I really do think we could see something crazy going on early, 43 and change crazy. And with all that speed and, and, and every one of the speed horses, you can kind of poke holes in a little bit. I, I think it does set up, set the table for somebody to, to rally into this. Of course, you got Whitmore's won eight lifetime races at Oakland Park. Mr. Oakland Park, he'll be one of the choices. I think the Californian's very dangerous, Flagstaff. If he's let go as the fourth choice or something, watch out for Flagstaff. And I want to give you a bomb in here, too. There's there's others, other horses who could rally, but Nitrous, I thought, was an unlucky but very talented three-year-old last year for trainer Steve Asmussen. His stakes win came at Oakland, coming from the clouds early last year. I think he's got a shot to do it again, and he might be 20, 30, 40 to 1 in here. So watch out for Nitrous. Throw a few dollars on Nitrous as a real bomb, the gray, to pick up the pieces in this loaded edition of the Count Fleet. Well, Brian Zipsy, I will do that. My producer's telling me, John, you're about out of time. I could talk to you for the whole hour, though, Brian. Thanks a lot for uh, taking the time uh, to talk to me and keep getting out and walking that dog of yours. <laughs> I sure will. My dog's loving this uh, this time, and, and I guess that's one positive. we got to look for the positives in life right now, John. Always a pleasure to talk to you, my friend. I, I hope to do it again soon. All right. Thank you. Brian Zipsy with us. Uh, previous to that, Tom Law. I want to thank our producer, Josh. I'm going to do my best to get out here in about 15 seconds. But I do want to remind you, if you're looking at some tracks that you don't normally look at, come on over to winningponies.com. Pull down our easy win forms because we're doing it for you. We had a $1,000 plus winner just this afternoon. So for Tom, Brian, Josh, and Winning Ponies, I'm John Englehart. When you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. 
Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week, and may your photos always be winners.